Welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church, and I am privileged to continue our series of Theology 101 today. Yes. So we just completed the Ten Commandments, and what is natural um, after completing an exposition of the Ten Commandments is to feel guilty, in a sense. The law exposes our sin. It is a mirror uh, that shows us our our failings, uh, our failures, our sin, the fact that we do not live up to God's law. And so, in one sense, as believers, we see that the Ten Commandments shows us what is pleasing to God. And so, now that we have been saved, we want to obviously do what is pleasing to the Lord, but we also recognize every single day that the Christian life is a life of repentance. It's a life of belief, and so when we come to the law and we look at our life and we see our sin, yes, we're a child of God. Yes, we've been forgiven, um, but we continue to repent over our sins, to see our sin for what it is, to feel sorrow for our sin, to confess our sin, to feel shame for sin, then to hate our sin, and then to turn from sin. All these things consist in repentance, as Thomas Watson would put it in his Puritan paperback uh, called The Doctrine of Repentance. And so, in this section, we're going to be looking at the transgression and the penalty of not keeping God's law. And so, we're in question 82 today. And it starts off like this. Question 82. Is any man able to keep the commandments of God perfectly? Answer, no mere human person since the fall is able to keep the commandments of God perfectly in this life, but breaks them daily in thought, word, and deed. Genesis 8.21 8, says, And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, this was after the flood, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. And so we see here God is revealing, giving us a window into the human condition, the heart condition of every person. And that is um, evil from the start, that no mere human person since the fall has been able to keep the commandments of God perfectly in this life, but breaks them daily in thought, word, and deed. Romans 3 uh, uh, speaks to this as well. Um, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If the Ten Commandments are like a... Um, let's see, a high jump pole. You guys ever seen a high jumper, right? The Olympics, they jump ridiculously high. You know, and maybe if I were on a good day, I could maybe get over a pole of six feet. Maybe, um, no, probably not. I don't have that that hop, that much hops, especially right now. <laughs> um, you know, if it's four feet, five feet, you might be like, yeah, I could do that. But the Ten Commandments, God's law, to obey it perfectly, it's like trying to jump do a high jump over a hundred foot high jump. It's impossible. No one has a, ever been able to keep the law of God perfectly in this life, and therefore we all fall short. We fall short of God's glory. As one commentator said, one man kept the law. There's only one man that ever did that, and that is the God-man, Jesus Christ. 
In this life, no other has or can keep God's law, but in the life to come, the saved will. Take the best day you've ever had. Think about your thoughts. Were they all pure and good? Your words, your actions? So we need to pray each day for our Father's forgiveness. This is why we can't just shirk off the Ten Commandments, as some theologians have have said. Uh, Andy Stanley is super popular in the evangelical world. I don't know why. He's a great communicator. Maybe that's why. But he said we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Well, primarily it's because it makes people feel guilty, and that's what the law does. But uh, Jesus taught the law of God. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first four commands in the Ten Commandments. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. That's the commands five through ten. And the law is good because it shows us our weakness. It shows us our need for Jesus Christ, which we need to be reminded of every day because as prideful sinners, we forget it. So that's question 82. So question 83 is, are all transgressions of the law equally sinful? Are there some sins that are more sinful than others? What is the answer? Some sins, because of their nature and the circumstances, are more sinful in the sight of God than others. Some sins, because of their nature and circumstances. So where are they pulling this from? Let me read a few uh, verses here. The first is out of Ezekiel 8.6 and then Ezekiel 8.13. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary. But will you see still greater abominations? So obviously there's a there's abominations and there's greater. There's great abominations, there's greater abominations there. He said, this is verse 13, Ezekiel 8. He said also to me, you will see still greater abominations than they will commit. In verse 15, have you seen this, son, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. So the point here that the Puritans are taking this from uh, in answering to the, to the question, are all transgressions of the law equally sinful, is that in God's economy, he sees that there are abominations, and then there's great abominations, and then there's even greater abominations. Um, Matthew eleven twenty through 24 says this, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works have been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be far more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And for you, Capernaum, you will be ex- you will be exalted to heaven. You, you will be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, um, sorry, I just lost my spot. For the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Obviously, Jesus is is comparing two different cities there and some whose abominations are far more heinous um, than others. And so we see this, another practical implication of this is if you read the book of Leviticus, Deuteronomy, or Numbers, we see that God's, in God's civil law that is given to um, his people, that there are certain sins that require the death penalty and then there's certain sins that do not. And there we have in God's economy, 
of law that there are some transgressions that are more heinous, that the consequences are far greater because of the nature and the circumstances of those sins. So, question 84, what does every sin deserve? Answer, although some sins will be more severely punished than others, yet every sin deserves God's wrath and curse both in this life and in the life to come. So let's break down the first part of that. Although some sins will be more severely punished than others. Where are they pulling that from? Luke 12, 47 through 48. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready for the act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much they will demand the more. The point here that Jesus is making in this parable is that for those that knew the truth of the gospel, that those who know the truth of God's word and yet deny it, still rebel against it, there's a far greater punishment than for those who did not know the specific revealed will of God in the gospel and yet still rebelled. And so the sin of unbelief is a terrible sin. It's the worst of all sins. Yet every sin deserves God's wrath, both in this life and in in the life to come. James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law yet fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Galatians 3, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to do them. Curse are you. That's what sin deserves. If you are tempted to think that maybe God can overlook sin or that it will not be punished, then look at the death of Christ. God did not give his son because we were worth saving, but because there was no other way we could be saved except at such a cost. God's wrath fell on Christ and so does not fall on those who belong to Christ. But those who do not find refuge in Jesus Christ will find God's wrath will come on them. If God did not spare his son, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is the section on the transgression of sin, the sinfulness of sin, and the penalty of sin of what we all deserve if it weren't for God's special, saving, electing, justifying, sanctifying grace, right? And so if you're convicted listening to this, your only hope is Jesus. You try to earn your way. You try to, uh, you, if you think you're a nice person, put yourself up against um, a Jesus himself, Put yourself up against the law, and you will find Romans three twenty three to be sh- to be true that all fall short of the glory of God. You cannot jump high enough to reach the hundred foot high jump pole of God's law. You fall short. Therefore, sin deserves the punishment of God's wrath in eternal hell forever. unless you trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins, who took the penalty for you, who obeyed unlike Adam. He obeyed unlike you. He he did the right thing. He obeyed perfectly and yet died as a criminal on the cross for sinners. And so be encouraged. If you don't know Jesus, put your faith in him. And if you're a Christian, be humbled. Our pride needs to be shattered. Our pride gets in the way of seeing how great our God is. Our pride blinds us for seeing how heinous our sin really is. 
And there's nothing better than being humbled at the foot of the cross where our eyes are, are the blur of our pride is, is gone and we see clearly. And thus we're given joy and thanksgiving. That's how we respond to God's grace to live this life um, for God's glory. This has been an, just another great reminder um, for me personally, and I hope that it was for you, and I hope that you're encouraged. And if you want more information about our church or any of our ministries, go to RedeemerRockford.Church. We'd love to see you on a Sunday. We'd, I'd love to see you on a Wednesday night or a Thursday um, if you're in college. Um, and, and yeah, check out our website. Come worship with us. We'd love to see you and, and to praise with you. Um, praise, praise the God of grace um, who sent his son to save us from the law, which we were under. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you are encouraged, and I hope that you have a fantastic, fantastic Thanksgiving coming up. Thanks so much for listening.